Yeah, I would have immediately at that moment broke down in my parents' arms and told them everything. Like, I'm struggling with trying to figure out who I am. I don't know why I'm describing me crazy. I'm struggling with this addiction that most people, you know, be like, oh, puffing chemicals, it's not a big it's a huge deal. Because it would put me in the state of, like, my memory is all messed up now. I have, you know, chest issues, all the issues that I have. Adi Shalom is also the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome your daily struggles in life. If this is your first time tuning in and you're tuning in from Apple Podcasts, if you enjoy some of these episodes, go ahead and rate and review the Teenage Impact Podcast because I'm trying to get ranked higher so I can impact and inspire more teenage kids. If you have a friend that's in this funk, and he or she can't seem to get out of it, your classmate, your family member, your friend, go ahead, share the Teenage Impact Podcast because so far I've interviewed 30 people from all around the world who have gone through different struggles in life, suicide or anxiety, depression, dwarfism, eating disorders, bipolar disorders. It's a variety of different struggles and each and every person I know out there is going through something and they don't have to go fight alone so go ahead share the teenage impact podcast with them because it can actually help them out to really relate to some of these people and overcome their struggles themselves today's podcast guest is coach bryant reed coach bryant reed lives in raleigh north carolina he seems like he has everything together he's an author a youth speaker he's a gym owner he's training for a hundred mile run but in high school he was going through all these different types of problems his parents was divorced He was suffering with Crohn's disease. And he was going to the bathroom anywhere from 15, 16, 17 17 times a day. He was suffering in silence. No one knew he was suffering. So what did he start doing? Sniffing chemicals. And he even tried overdose in sniffing chemicals in the bathroom and tried committing suicide. But he said enough is enough. And by the age of 27, it took him... over 10 years to try to figure out his life, but he figured it out by keep on going, living another day. And today's podcast episode is going to be lessons from a high school student who is suicidal to someone now that is an author, speaker, trainer, and someone who's training for a hundred mile run. So give it up for Coach Bryant Reed. Brian, I'm so glad that we can connect. I know one of our friends introduced us a few weeks ago. And, you know, I, I went to your profile. I saw some of the great things you were doing. You're training for a 100 miler. You, you know, you went through your own struggles in life, like being homeless, getting deployed. And I wanted to ask you, you know, tell us a little bit about your dark depression days in high school and how substance abuse problems affected you. Absolutely. And I'm super excited to be on this podcast, man. So I appreciate the opportunity. So I, uh, as a teenager, and I know a lot of teenagers are struggling with this as well, you go through this period where you don't necessarily know who you are, like what your value is, where you fit in, and all those different things. And that was some of the issues that I went through. Is like me trying to figure out who exactly am I? Because I can fit in with so many different people, but I never knew who I was. And also, uh, what happened during that transitional period, I would say, as, uh, I think it was when I started it, when I was a freshman, I developed something called Crohn's disease. And I don't know if you know what that is, but I'll save your listeners the details, but pretty much my stomach was 
was in shambles, man. So I would, I would end up having to use the bathroom like 12, 16 times a day. And so what that would do is that would put me in awkward situations where I'd be in school, I'd be in class, and I wouldn't necessarily make it to the bathroom. So you're that kid on the bus or in school or on playing sports where you're using the bathroom and stuff, right? And so people are, don't know what's going on because I'm not telling them, I'm just hiding. So there were times where I would accidentally use the bathroom on the school bus and I would cover it up or I would be taking a test and then, you know, you have to raise your hand in school to go use the bathroom. Well, I would just run out of the classroom and go to the bathroom, so things like that. So I was struggling with that, but struggling with me trying to figure out who I am. So that's heavy. And what I ended up doing, instead of communicating, communicating with people like you should, communicating with adults, I hit it, I stuffed it in, and I ended up doing something called huffing, which is huffing chemicals, right? So I would go into the laundry room, I would take paint thinner, I would take pine salt, I would take all these different chemicals to ease my pain because I was in a different, I was just in pain constantly, whether that be physical pain, emotional pain, all these different things. So I would take chemicals and I would sit on the couch literally and just sniff chemicals because that would be one thing that I knew for sure could kind of ease that pain that I was going through. I could go deeper into like why I was depressed and all these different things. I mean, my parents split up when I was young. I'm not sure that that had anything to do with it. But the number one thing I can say in me talking to getting help from some counseling was I was trying to figure out who I was and I never figured it out until like probably four years ago. And a lot of teens just don't know who they are. That's how the army? That's that's where you joined the army, right? Was it late in high school, early college, or what period was that? Okay, so I'm I'm going through all this uh, stuff and what happens when Huffing chemicals and you're dealing with Crohn's disease and you're, you're acting out trying to be somebody that you're not, your grades start slipping, your performance on the field starts slipping. So I'm thinking I'm this high level athlete and I'm about to go to college, right, and play football. Well, all of that came to a halt my, my senior year when my parents said, to me and said, You played around your freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, your grades are average, you're average. Like, what are you going to do with your life? Because you can either A, Pay for college on your own. You can figure that out, or you can be join the military. And me being the rebel and the guy that I was then, like, oh, no problem. I'm going to join the military. I'm leaving this small town. I'm leaving this house. I'm going to go be a grown up. So at 17 years old, I joined the military, and I was shipped off uh, about a month after graduating high school, man. And that's that uh, was the biggest catalyst for me being where I am today. It, really made me grow up a lot. And you said you were suicidal. At what point were you suicidal? What age? Yeah, yeah. So it was, again, uh, I think it was sophomore year, excuse me, because some of my, my memory from that time is still, still mm-hmm. going through the healing process. But sophomore year, I decided I didn't want to struggle with this anymore, right? I'm dealing with this Crohn's disease, I'm dealing with depression, I'm dealing with all these things. I said, this is it. Like, I'm going to take my life. So... And I write about it, in the, and I talk about it in the book, and I, I won't go into super dark detail, but I pretty much went in the bathroom, and I put chemicals, like, in the sink. I put chemicals in the bathtub. I put chemicals literally everywhere. And I stuffed a towel in the door, and I literally laid back and just huffed chemicals with the intent of just uh, pretty much suffocating myself and killing myself in that, that bathroom floor. But uh, what's crazy is 
I kind of, I went through with the process. And the only thing I remember after this is waking up in my bed with all the chemicals being put in the trash can and me being in the bed completely fine. And at that moment, I literally woke up and I went to the mirror and I said, this is it, man. Like you are no longer, never going to try this again. Like this is it. You are going to turn whatever this is that you're going through. Not necessarily, I didn't necessarily seek help, but whatever it is you're going through, you are going to figure this out. And on the other side of this, you're going to not only inspire somebody, motivate somebody, do something. And I don't know what that's going to look like. This is it. You're no longer going to try to take your life. Like, that's it. And then, was it your parents that got you out of the bathroom? And to this day, I still don't know. And my it's, it's a dark uh, conversation. So my parents, are because they didn't know until just a few years ago, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want to talk about it. So we kind of just, you know, gloss over it. You just never, so you're in your bed and you just never talked about it. Never, never. At that moment, my parents had no clue that it never happened. And I'm not telling people to do it the way I did it. That is the wrong answer. Communicate, find an adult. But for some reason, all of my life, until recently, I have carried this, this, this level of, oh, I can do it myself. And I'm telling you, it took me some healing and it took me some counseling to understand that there are people that will help you. Like we're in this together. And now that's what I'm trying to get other people to realize is you can't suffer in silence anymore. And I suffered in silence from my freshman year all the way until almost 27 years old. I suffered, told no one anything until I wrote that book or wrote the book. You know, a lot of people don't say anything like yourself, like I did because well, number one, they're afraid what the parents will say. You know, maybe parents will tell them to suck it up. And number two is you don't want anyone from class to find out because you think that everyone else is living this perfect life. And yes, fine. absolutely. And so you don't tell anyone because you think everyone else's life is fine. And if people find out that your life is not as good, then they're going to make fun of you. Right. Or you, or, and for me, even too, it would be like something is wrong with you. Because again, you're seeing everybody else and you don't understand that everybody's struggling with something. So you're sitting here as a teenager, you're thinking, oh, they're perfect. They've got the perfect smile. They've got the perfect parents. You just think there's something wrong with you. And nobody wants to feel like there's something wrong with them, like they're broken and, you know, you got a bad hand. So that's how I felt. And if I could go back and do it again, I would communicate from day one, but I think part of me being in that struggle has created the person that I am today, too. So it's one of those, you know, it can go either way kind of things. What would you have done differently, you know, after huffing the chemicals? What would you have done differently if you can go back? Okay. Yeah, I would have immediately at that moment broke down in my parents' arms and told them everything. Like, I'm struggling with trying to figure out who I am. I don't know why I'm describing me crazy. I'm struggling with this addiction that most people, you know, would be like, oh, puffing chemicals, that's not a big deal. It's a huge deal because it would put me in a state of, like, my memory is all messed up now. And I have, you know, chest issues, all these issues that I have. But I would just go and I would literally just cry in the arms and say, hey, guys, this is what I'm dealing with. Help me. <laughs> Those are the two biggest words that I would probably use help me and my parents being the parents that I have would have helped me and I would not have to carry that, that burden on my own. Mm-hmm. 
And then you went to um, the military. You got deployed. Yep. You said Iraq. Yep. So I went to Iraq uh, twice. Uh, I did a total of 27 months. 27 months spent in Iraq. And it's a pretty crazy experience. I joined the military as an interrogator. So I did a lot of questioning people. We'd go and kick in the doors and talk to bad, uh, bad guys. And I would be with my interpreter. We would question and try to get information about where the terrorists are and things like that. So I did that for, for seven and a half years. Man. What what lessons did the military teach you that from the stuff you were learning in high school? Right. So it, it taught me structure, one, and like to figure it out. Like you, you and also two, it taught me like camaraderie and, and talking to people. Because in the military you have like you have your brothers. You have your brothers that you see every single day. You have people that you work with every single day. People that, you know, take a bullet for you and you build this this, this bond and you start to realize that Though people come from so many different places, people care about you. And, you know, you care about your brother. Your brother cares about you. So I just confided and I started telling them these things. That brotherhood and that structure and that discipline and that get-it-done mentality, like, that's something that I needed. And I just needed to grow up. Like I said, I graduated at 17 when everybody else is 18. Yeah, I was one of those kids whose birthday fell in September. And I would, I would say... And there's a lot of studies that say this too, that what happens with boys is if you are one of those who you graduate at 17 or you're one of those that are younger than some of the other kids, you struggle with that issue as well. Because you're, you're playing sports with people who are bigger than you and faster than you and older than you. You're maturing, you know, slower. Or you're 17. Everybody else is older. So that's one of those things too. I needed to join the military to grow up and to figure out kind of who I was, but I still hadn't figured it out yet. You join the military to grow up. You're learning valuable lessons in the military. Absolutely. Still struggling deep inside. The military is probably a little bit a, a scapegoat. Right. Um, and then you had the option to deploy again, but you decided not to. Right. And decided to stay back. What were you doing afterwards? So, yeah, I had the, the option to deploy again. Man. And to, to be honest, when you do so many deployments, it kind of just wears you out. Uh, I just I couldn't do it anymore. So I got out of the military, and this is kind of where even more of my struggle began because in the military, you get a steady paycheck. No matter what you do on the first to 15, you are getting income. Your bills are going to be taken care of. When you get out, it's not necessarily the same if you can't find a stable job. So I dabbled in different jobs. I ended up working at GNC, which is a nutrition store. It's close to minimum wage, man. It's just like you're, you're really struggling to get by. You're struggling to pay your bills get behind on bills and I had a son who I was you know trying to be responsible for and take care of my son I was in a relationship and everything just went south like job was doing bad you know me and my girlfriend unfortunately split up I'm still trying to provide for my son and uh I ended up getting evicted out of my apartment man I ended up getting kicked out of the apartment I ended up sleeping in my store because I was the manager at the time I ended up sleeping in my store there were nights where I slept in my car. There were nights where I slept in the Walmart parking lot, trying to figure it out. I worked open and closed shifts, just trying to scrounge up enough money to pay the bills that I had. And uh, it was a struggle, man. Talk about living in Washington State at the time, living in your car, freezing at night, not having enough money to do anything besides like eat off McDonald's, and then maybe you had a little extra money you were trying to pay your bills with. And like you're behind on car notes, you're behind on just everything. So it was, it was a big struggle, but that's kind of what 
the transition of getting out of the military brought me. But again, this this is the common denominator. What I didn't do and what I shouldn't have done is ask for help. Help me. Like, help me, mom. Help me. Somebody help me. But again, I suffered in silence. My parents had no clue because I'm from North Carolina originally, so they're here and I'm in Washington State. They had no clue that their son was sleeping in a GNC on a cardboard box on a, on a floor in GNC, shivering at night because he's got nowhere else to go. They had no clue. No one knew. It's so, a lot has to do with uh, pride. Right, man. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have the same thing where people around me, they know that if I'm ever suffering or need help, that most of the time I would not ask for it. Because right. Especially men and boys. They want to figure everything else, everything out themselves. Right. By asking for help makes them look weak. Right. But you also, got, I see from a different perspective. If one of your friends or family members ask you for help, would you be there for them? Absolutely. Does that make them weak? If it doesn't make them weak, then why don't you ask for help? I love that. I love that. I'm actually going to take that. I'll give you credit for it, but I love that, that uh, switch there. Uh-huh. What was that transition point where you said, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to figure this out. I just remember this for me was kind of close to rock bottom for me. Was, I, there was one day where I didn't have any money and I knew that I had a bill coming up. And so I literally took all of the money. And so when you're working at a retail store, there's a starting bank, like a certain amount of money in the cash register. I'm the manager of the store. I needed a bill paid. I knew that the next day that that money would be put back in the register. So I ended up taking all the money out of the register, paying my personal bills. And that same day, my RSE, which is the regional sales director, did a pop-up visit at my store. Okay? And so his job, his first job always is to count the register. For some reason that day, he did not count the register. He trusted me. He trusted that because I had I known him for a long time. He trusted me. He asked me, is everything good in the register? I said, yeah, it's good. Lied to him. He did all his other checks. We talked for a while. He left. And that moment, I said, Brian Reed, like, you are going to end up in jail. You are going to, you are going to tarnish your whole entire life trying to be out here ask, not asking for help. Like, this is it. It's kind of like when I was huffing chemicals. Like I said, this is it. You can't do it. You can't live this way. Or this is going to be your life. So it's time to move. So I literally packed my car up. I think it was like a month later, saved all my money, packed my car up with my little tote that I had my little clothes in, packed it up, and I drove from Washington State all the way to North Carolina in two and a half days to go back to my family and to say, this is what I'm going through. This is how I, I feel. I need help. Help me. <laughs> and so I literally did like two and a half days through Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, all the way down to North Carolina. I did not sleep with it like once. I dozed off for a second, got back up, and I kept going because I knew that on the east, this side, on the East Coast, was my help. And it was also my wife now, my, who would help me, help me out. And uh, since then, I've been put, putting the pieces back together in my life. That's awesome. And you're, you have your own gym now? Yep. I'm uh, opening Monday, man. It's a long process, but I'm uh, here opening Monday. And you're training for a 100-mile run. You've already done several marathons and a 50-mile. What got you into running like that? 
So I've always been an athlete. So I played football, tennis, basketball, all these sports. But there was something about running, just going out and just being it's like an individual thing. So you say, okay, today I'm going to run 10 miles. Like, that's you. That's nobody else. That's your training, your nutrition. Nobody else can help them. So I competed in – so I ran high school a lot, but then I started getting into weightlifting. And I actually competed in bodybuilding, and I won one of the most prestigious bodybuilding competitions in the state of North Carolina. But also at that time, I got diagnosed with stage three kidney disease. I had to, like, I went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, hey, run some tests, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, hey, you have stage three kidney disease. Your kidneys are failing. you got to find something else other than bodybuilding to do. So I stopped bodybuilding, and I started doing, like, OCRs, obstacle course races, and then running. And now, like, running is my thing. I absolutely love it. I can go on a trail and just get lost in a trail for hours. Like, that's what I love to do. So I got into uh, marathons and ultra marathons, and now the big one is the 100-mile race in May. Man, 100 miles. Most people look at that and say, say are you – are you crazy? Right. Um, I, don't, I don't even want to drive that far. <laughs> I don't even want to drive 100 miles. I did a marathon mm-hmm. myself. Uh, took me, I think, six hours. Okay. And training for a marathon takes a toll on your body. But there's a, there's a reason why some people run that long. I follow David Goggins. Yes. And well, he always mentions that if you could push your mind to a certain extent, push your body to a certain extent, it correlates that to success in your professional life and your relationships and your finances. Because, Absolutely. you know, life is a marathon. You push your, you think you could push yourself like in a marathon. I think after 15, 16 miles, I was done. But right. every mile I, I thought I was done and I somehow managed to find willpower to push myself even more. And that's the thing with life. You know, you were going through your own struggles where you're homeless, you know, you're sniffing chemicals, you had the Crohn's disease, there are all these things going on, you felt like you can't push further, but then you kept on pushing further. Right. And I think that me training for these races, it helps me, it gives me perspective. It gives me perspective It's like, when things get tough, like, are you going to keep going? Are you the person that you say that you are? Because like, I, I present this person on social media, are you that person? Like, I'm that person. Like, I don't just put, put quotes like I believe the things that I say, but how I continue to prove that to myself and prove that to everyone else as I go out and I do the hard things. But I also do the hard things like this because I think that like your your grit and your willpower it's kind of like a muscle. So it's one of the things you have to continue to train, like David Diamond says. But like it's a uh, it's one of the things you have to continue to train. So I'm I'm training honestly, just like he says, I'm training for that moment where. Things are getting a little sketchy, and I'm like, am I going to quit? If my business doesn't, you know, do what I think profit-wise in the first year, are you going to give up? If something happens with a family member, you need to be the rock. You need to be the person that keeps everybody together. I'm training for this race for that. Because a lot of people don't go out and do hard things. They they love this comfort level, and then when things happen, they're not prepared for it. You're not prepared for any of the things that life is going to throw at you unless you train just like anything else. And how did you overcome your Crohn's disease in high school? So again, man, I did not tell anybody. It's one of those things where I still deal with it today, but I've uh, sought out medical attention, but I literally dealt with it in high school and never said, like no one knew anything. I 
you know, would hide it from people. I would, you know, just be kind of like a loner where I never went over to anybody's house. I never really had like a true relationship until like my senior year. And I just kind of hit it. So no one knew I was going to the bathroom 15 times a day. No one knew I was having these accidents. There were car rides where my parents were like, I'm sure they were thinking like, why is he going to the bathroom? <laughs> but I just kind of, too much pride, too much ego. But I, now I'm once or twice a year coming back and then it kind of goes away. So it's under control. But what did you do to manage that? The symptoms in when in high school, yeah. So there was a lot of sleeping, there was a lot of just being a bit, there was nothing really to manage it. So it was at its, I guess you'd say, at its cusp, at its, at its height. There were moments where I didn't think I was going to make it like live because if you think you're losing blood and you're losing mucus, and you're losing all these things, so if you're anemic, you're weak, you're tired, you can't keep any food down, but. I don't know how I did it, man. And it's not me, like, boasting that I'm tough and boasting that I'm you know, all this. I literally just gritted it out. Every day is a new challenge. How many times are you going to go today? Manage it. Okay, next day. How many, and that's why I started Smith, uh, Huffing Chemicals, because that at least took my mind out of the equation that I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to feel it. And then what would you tell someone, someone who's in high school that's going through it's a particular challenge in life. Maybe they have Crohn's disease. Maybe they're going through something else. Their parents are getting divorced, whatever it is. What would you tell the high school student who feels like they're fighting alone? Right. Well, first of all, I will tell them, again, the phrase, help me. But uh, ask for help no matter what you're going through in life. There's somebody that's been through it, going through it. There's books out that will figure it out by asking, not just trying to shoulder the burden yourself. But also, too, I like to tell teenagers, because I do a lot of speaking at school events, I tell them this. I didn't know who I really was until I was 27 years old. Like, you don't have to know who you are at 15. You don't have to know who you are at 17. You don't have to know who you are at 21. You're going to go through all of these different transformational, transitional periods. It's not the time now to figure out who you are. Just experience life. So if you, if you dress a little different, or if you listen to this kind of music and they like this, just be yourself. Do what you do. Do not try to fit in with everybody else. Everybody else will, you know, do their thing. Do your, don't try to do that. Just be you. And I'm talking like I would be in the point where I was listening to a certain music and I had friends over here who were listening to something else. And I would say, you can't listen to that anymore. Now as an adult, none of that matters. You realize it. You wake up one day and you're like, I will dress how I want to dress. I will talk how I want to talk. I will be who I want to be for who myself. And if I could tell any teenager right now to figure that out and like just to be you, hey man, like you're gonna win. You're gonna be fine when you can realize you'll figure out who you are just right now, be who you are. Does that make sense? It does, it does. And you're you're a youth speaker as well, right? I've I've seen some of your videos where you're um speaking at churches and schools. What's one story of a student that you've seen that you've impacted? their life absolutely so i had a uh, a kid that i actually coached who was he just had lost one of, he had lost his mom and so i kind of talked him through the transitional period of like hey like this is the trauma that you're feeling and it's okay to feel it like feel it like don't try to be like how i was and be tough and macho because he was this macho 16 year old kid really brawling kid but and he just felt like he needed to just stuff it in and be this macho tough kid 
And so I, over the time, I just was like, dude, like if you need to cry, you need to punch a hole in the wall, like feel it, like get your emotions out. Be tough, be strong for your family, but it's okay. You're 16, man. Like you're, that is heavy. You lost your mother. Like that is tough. But also I told them there's going to be a point, and I've been telling people this because uh, unfortunately I lost my sister-in-law a few months ago through an overdose, but uh, I've been telling people this. If you have gone through trauma and you have healed yourself, now it's time to heal other people. So I told them, like, you're going to come to a point where you feel okay with this. Not, not, not saying, like, oh, my mom passed away, like, I'm good. If you'll come to a point where it doesn't hurt as bad, like, now it's time for you. It's your mission to go out and help other people. Because somebody else, there's another kid, in my case, on the bathroom floor who is Huff Chemicals who needs my help. So heal yourself so you can become a healer. Because too many times people stay in that trauma not realizing you may have been given that trauma to help somebody else who is going to help somebody else who is going to help somebody else because we are all in this together. And I 100%, 100%, like it gives me goosebumps talking about it, believe that. You have to heal yourself so you can be a healer. And I have dedicated my whole entire life, the rest, rest of my life, to adding value to other people so that they can become healers themselves. Well, Bryant, man, I I really do appreciate the work you're doing. Fantastic. It's unbelievable. You know, sometimes we feel like, you know, we want to give up, but you you hit spot on. Be healed so you can become the healer. Absolutely, brother. And do you have any final tips for people? I would just say this, just uh, continue to, you know, work hard, but more importantly, I always, if I could end with this, this note here is I always hear people say this, like, hey, I'm going, especially when the new year comes, I'm going to change the world. All these people say I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make an impact. I always say this, if you're going to change the world, start by changing your world. So every small thing, and you see a piece of trash, you're going to change the world by picking that up because you're changing your world. If there's somebody in your circle who's struggling, help them out. You're changing the world or changing your world because you're that person is going to go out and help somebody else. So don't don't think about the big picture. I know on social media too many times, this person has a million followers. They're making this impact. No, if you want to change the world, start by changing your world, and then everything else will fall into you. That's what I've done. That's what I believe. That's what you're doing, and I appreciate you as well, man. Awesome, awesome, man. Where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me uh, in your book. My book is on uh, Amazon. It's called Tested, Never Defeated. That is my motto. So Tested, Never Defeated. You can find me at uh, Coach Reed, Coach Brian Reed on YouTube. You can find me on Facebook at Brian Reed as well. But uh, if you ever want to like, send me an email, Coach Brian Reed at gmail.com as well, man. So that's me. That's what, I, that's what I'm about, brother. Oh, man. Man, that's doing some great stuff. And you're going to be running a 100-mile run? Let me know yeah, how that goes because I will keep you posted on that, man. Hey, it's still it's still driving me a little crazy thinking about it too. So. Keep us posted, <laughs> and I just want to wish you the best of luck. I appreciate it, brother. We'll be in touch for real. But if you don't have anything else to say. Thank you so much. Wish you the best of luck um, on this hundred mile race, and keep doing your thing and keep impacting a lot of people's lives. Thanks, brother. You keep doing your thing too, man. I appreciate you. The biggest takeaway I got from interviewing Coach Brian Reed is this. Many people suffer from silence. 
his family members, his parents, his friends, his teachers, I had no idea he was suffering. Because there's a stigma around that you should suck it up, that you should be a man, that everything is going to be okay. He was sniffing chemicals. He was going through Crohn's disease. He was homeless. All these things were happening in his life, and his loved ones didn't know about it. Why? Because he didn't open up. But not until he had the last straw of when he was 26, 27 years old, homeless. He went back to his hometown in Raleigh, North Carolina. He told his family members. He told now his current wife what he was going through so he can receive some help. So I know you're going through something in your life. And I know you don't want to open up to it because you're afraid that people would judge you for it. People would make fun of you for it. People will yell at you and tell you to suck it up. But let me tell you how many people out there are suffering. Suicide is the second leading cause in death ages 10 to 14. And people who are ages 15 to 24 is the top five leading cause of death. So if you're going through something, do not let pride get in the way because your pride can cost you your life. Go to your high school guidance counselor. Go to your parents. Go to a trusted adult, maybe an uncle, an aunt, or friends, parents, whoever it is. Go to someone so they can get you help and they can help you get through whatever issue that you're going through because it's extremely important to never fight alone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so, go ahead, download the seven quick and easy ways to feel better about yourself. It's a link in the description. These are tips based off of my own experiences in life and based off of the 30 interviews that I have done. So go ahead. This is You can implement this starting today, and these tips are completely life-changing, life-changing have changed my life, and it could change yours. So until next time, peace.